Would you pray with me? Lord, today I stand here. <laughs> I knew I was going to do this, sorry. <laughs> Completely humbled. You are our chief shepherd, our cornerstone, our rock, our redeemer. We give thanks to you today for your faithful and steadfast love. That love sustains us, guides us, and compels us to know and follow Jesus with our whole lives. You, you're all sufficient. Thank you for the absolute joy it is to serve you with our lives. From generation to generation, we have seen you move in the hearts of cross-pointers. What an honor it has been to be, have the front seat of that roller coaster. I stand here, arm in arm, and back to back with the man you have allowed me to love for three decades. Thank you for my pastor husband. Thank you for allowing me to be a teammate with him, to see the beautiful, life-changing things. We are completely dependent on you for what has been and what will be. Thank you, Lord, for the amazing teammates and co-laborers in the gospel that you have blessed us with. Thank you for the people of this church. We are family, Lord, and we give you praise for anchoring our lives dependent on Jesus through each season of ministry. Thank you for new little lives here that came with adoption, fostering, and birth that you've blessed us with. Thank you for the loved ones that have gone on to glory that we have had the opportunity to love here and serve with through the years. They are cheering us on as we run the race. What a gift. God, you continue to amaze me for using this little church full of people who continue to make, take the next steps and say yes to you. We are yours, Lord, for however you need us, wherever you need us, and whomever you need us to connect with. You are leading us through this beautiful journey, and we will follow in the name and power of Jesus. Lord Jesus, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for the multitude of beloved people who have you have called to join in this kingdom work of this local church over these 20 years. Thank you for their work produced by faith, their labor motivated by love, and their endurance inspired by hope in you. Thank you for those who you've sent out and are sending out from this local church to expand your kingdom elsewhere. Thank you for those who remain walking by faith on mission in this area of the world. Lord, may your church, your people, be imitators of you. May we welcome and receive your word and may your good news ring out from your church when we are gathered and when we are scattered. May it bear fruit and grow in our lives all over this world. May the faith of your people in the next 20 years be a God-glorifying testimony. May the ministry and mission of your church never be about us, mm -hmm. but always about you. May your name be the one lifted high through the whole of our lives as we worship you. May you add to the number daily those who are being saved and those who are being sent out to live as witnesses and ambassadors for you. Transform households, reach and prepare generations, raise up servant leaders, bring the dead and sin alive in you, protect your church from the schemes of the enemy, strengthen and build your church to be a city on a hill, a light to the world in the years and decades ahead. Father, root and firmly establish your family and your love, and out of the overflow of your love that surpasses knowledge, may we bring you glory by making disciples of Jesus who live devoted to you, dedicated to one another, and driven to reach more people. Now to him who is able, 
to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. To Him alone be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. And all God's people said, Amen. I want to invite um, those who are giving testimony this morning, Holly and Kevin and Christy and Carol, you guys want to make your way up to the stage. Oh, it's so exciting to be here today celebrating 20 years of God's goodness to our church. And um, my name is Holly, and my family and I have been coming to Crosspoint for about five years, and it's been a huge blessing in our lives. And uh, I wrote something a while ago about what Crosspoint means to me, and I'm going to read that this morning. I'm grateful for our Crosspoint family, for the variety of people here, all following Jesus, and the individual ways you all have impacted my life. What you all have in common, and what I've most appreciated, is that you're a company for the journey. Trying to live for Christ and make a positive impact in the world is like swimming upstream. I get discouraged when I focus on my own mess-ups or the way the world is struggling, but when I come to church or community group, text or meet with a friend, when I hear a sermon or sing songs with fellow believers that point us to Christ, I am energized for what I'm called to do. It's such a joy to see other people who believe the good news of Jesus and are allowing that to shape their lives. Thank you, Crosspoint family, for being here. Your presence is a blessing to those around you. Thank you. Thanks, Holly. That was nice. <laughs> Hello, family. I'm Christy Funk. This is my husband, Kevin Funk. We have called Crosspoint our home for just over 19 years. Crosspoint to us is a beautiful picture of community. After Dave Steinbeck called me week after week after week after week to come to his community group, I finally said yes. <laughs> Dave, it's the best decision I ever made. And my family tree has changed because of it. I know you know that. <laughs> um, since we've been here, we have consistently either led or attended a community group. This is where most of our growth has occurred. By God's grace, over the past several years, I have learned how to love deeply and forgive well. I did not have an example of this in my home growing up. Having some of the women in this church walk through the ups and downs in life has brought me closer to God. Since I started attending Cross Point, uh, I've had so many friendships that are truly meaningful. Uh, the brotherhood uh, that I and others share through Christ is like none other. I seriously can't count how many friends I've met and spiritually grown with uh, since I've started attending. Um, because of community groups, God has shown me, us, how to care for one another's burdens. He's blessed us with many memories that are very precious to us. A lot of these friends have come and gone over the 20 years, uh, but each one holds a special place in our heart. Christy and I have learned so much from past groups and ex are really excited again for this fall semester with our current group. Uh, Christy and I were both baptized at Cross Point some years ago. Uh, since going public with our faith, we have seen God at work in our lives in a tremendous way. 
our BC, our before Christ lives, there's a stark contrast to the way we live today. And all credit goes to our wonderful Savior. All praise be to God, right? As the Holy Spirit continues to guide and shape us, he inspires us, instructs, and encourages us to lead our group well. Christy and I want God to get all the glory here on this stage and nothing less. We love our current group and can't wait to see what he has in store for us next. If my dad were here today, he would tell you how much he loves you and how important a relationship with Jesus is. I used to tease my dad and say that he could have a conversation with a rock and it would be meaningful. <laughs> he could talk to anybody. On the first day of his first stroke, I went down to the Springfield Hospital in the, in the ER, and he was literally talking to a nurse about Jesus. He, uh, yeah, that's what he did. And he was doing it with a smile. Love you, Dad. Praise Jesus. Lastly, 18 years ago, Kevin and I witnessed the most beautiful picture of Christ-centered community that you could ever imagine. After being victims of a violent crime on our wedding night, we needed our church family more than ever. They showed up as the hands and feet of Jesus, like you wouldn't believe. We promised God in that moment that he would get all the glory through this tragedy. We also promised to tell God's story and how he miraculously allowed us to live. We don't have time to talk about all the details of that today. But as we fellowship, please feel free to ask us, and we'd love to talk to you about what God did in our lives. Wow, to follow that up. God <laughs> is good and faithful. Um, I'm actually going to share the scripture today with you and then share a little bit more. Um, so today's scripture reading is from Psalm 107, verses 17 through 32, and the CSB translation. If you have a Bible, I'd encourage you to turn there. While you're getting there, my name is Carol Smeltzer, and my husband Kurt and I have been attending Crosspoint since the beginning as we were part of the launch team. We have four boys, two that are married, and we have three grandsons. We just recently became empty nesters, and we live in Washington. Several years ago, um, stepped out with faith uh, with Jamie Govey and a team of women to help get women's ministry started. Uh, we then uh, stepped out to lead a women's Bible study. So glad I took that step of obedience and have grown so much in my faith and trust in God. I've also made so many good friendships with women that are prayer warriors and truly love Jesus. I've seen God move and answer many prayers over the past few years. I enjoy seeing these women grow in their relationship with God. On that note, our women's community group and Bible study is starting the fall session tomorrow night, August 28th at 6.30 here at Crosspoint. We'll be studying the Book of Romans. It's a six-week study, and we'll meet every other week. We'd love to have you join us. Um, let's hear God's word. This is Psalm 107, verses 17 through 32. Fools suffered affliction because of their rebellious ways. 
and their iniquities. They loathed all food and came near the gates of death. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. He saved them from their distress. He sent his word and healed them. He rescued them from the pit. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his faithful love and his wondrous works for all humanity. Let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and announce his works with shouts of joy. Others went to sea in ships conducting trade on the vast water. They saw the Lord's work, his wondrous works in the deep. He spoke and raised a stormy wind that stirred up the waves of the sea, rising up to the sky and sinking down to the depths. Their courage melting away in anguish, they reeled and staggered like a drunkard, and all their skill was useless. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper, and the waves of the sea were hushed. They rejoiced when the waves grew quiet. Then he guided them to the harbor they longed for. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his faithful love and his wondrous works for all humanity. Let them exalt him in the assembly of the people and praise him in the council of the elders. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Carol. If you do have a Bible, uh, go ahead and get there. We're going to be looking at that, uh, that psalm we looked at last week, and, and uh, we're going to look at it again this week. Verses 1 and one through 3 again says this, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord proclaim that he has redeemed them from the power of the foe and has gathered them from the lands, from the east and the west and the north and the south. As we celebrate 20 years of ministry and mission as a church today, we give thanks to the Lord, for he is the one who has been at work in our lives and through this local faith family. We give thanks to Jesus who has been, will be, and is our chief shepherd. We proclaim that our God has set us free, not so that we can live for ourselves, but so that we can live for him, his name, his mission. He has redeemed and gathered us together as his people, his flock, his body, his members, his branches, his living stones, his laborers, his servants, his sons and daughters. As First Peter Two says, a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession. And we've been gathered for what purpose? Well, Peter writes, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who's called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. You would not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is what the Lord Jesus has been doing for centuries, calling people out of darkness and into his marvelous light, and then gathering those called out people and making them a new people, a people no longer enslaved to sin, but now free, a people who have continued and have shown and continue to be shown lavish mercy, enduring faithful love. This is what the Lord Jesus has been doing for centuries. It's what he has done for the past 20 years through this local church. It's what he will be doing in the years ahead. So this morning, we look back and we give thanks, and we look ahead with hopeful and prayerful expectation for what the Lord will do in and through His church to bring Him glory, because He is faithful. He is unchanging. It's who He is. It's what He does. And Psalm 107 gives us four pictures of redemption, pictures of the transformative gospel work that the Lord does in the lives of His people. Last week in verses 4 through 16, we saw that when people find themselves lost, hungry, thirsty, nowhere to go, and yet they cry out to the Lord for help, He finds them. 
His love meets them in the wilderness. He leads them home. He satisfies them with his love. We also saw the picture that when people find themselves chained up, imprisoned by their own sin, by their own rebellion to God's good and loving commands, even when they have despised and disregarded his counsel, when they cry out to the Lord in their trouble, what does the Lord do? Verse 13 tells us that he saves them from their distress. He brings them out of darkness and gloom, breaks their chains apart, and as a result, they give thanks. They proclaim of the Lord's faithful love and his wondrous works for all humanity. In Christ, we are found and we are freed and we are forgiven. And this morning, we're going to look at the next two pictures that the psalmist gives, these pictures of redemption in verses 17 through 32, that in Christ, we are alive and we are secure. As I shared last week, I believe the psalm causes us to be reminded of our own stories. But this morning, I also want us to see this passage through the lens of a missionary, for that is who Christ's followers are in Him. We have been redeemed by His faithful love and gathered so that through our lives, through the words from our lips, that we might show and tell of the goodness and faithful love of Jesus so that by the power of the Spirit, the Lord might save those who find themselves lost, chained up, dead in sin, unsafe in the storm. Consider the people the Lord has providentially placed around you. All these different spheres of life, where you go to work, where you go to school, the neighborhood that you call home, who you keep bumping into on a regular basis, who you're raising at home, when you consider these different spheres of life, who's wandering around, lost, chasing after all these things of the world, trying to satisfy that hunger and thirst? Who's worn out, trying to live for sin and self, thinking it's going to somehow lead to life? Let this psalm not only lead us to give thanks for the Lord's gracious work in our lives, let this psalm also sit on our hearts and bring those names of loved ones, friends, family, acquaintances. Let us be spurred on to love like Jesus and the good deed of living on mission. We are only 20 years in, brothers and sisters. We are not turning inward. We are not growing apathetic, cold, or indifferent to the lost because the Lord intends to save and use his sent ones in that mission. We're pressing on in prayerful expectation. The Spirit is empowering us as missionaries from our neighbors to the nations, for we are a kingdom, part of a kingdom that is expanding, a kingdom that will not end, a kingdom where the King of Kings continues to rescue and redeem from darkness, gather in, and then send out to proclaim that the light of the world has come. This is why we are here for such a time as this, and we will be found faithful. For the Lord is the one leading his people, and he is a God of unfailing and enduring love and goodness. He'll cause the growth as we plant and water. And some of you here aren't following Jesus yet, but you're curious, you're seeking. The Lord is at work in your life and your heart, and that is such a beautiful thing. We love that you're here. It's an answer to prayer that you're here. We believe the Lord, is, Lord Jesus is seeking to save you and set you free and give you new life in Him. And this is a safe place to ask questions. Discover who Jesus really is and His good news. You're in the right place. 
The one true God loves you so greatly and is speaking to you through his word. Listen to his words and respond in faith and trust today. His word is for you and for your good. Verses 17 through 22 again, we'll see that Christ followers, we've been redeemed from death and now we are alive in him. Fools suffered affliction because of their rebellious ways and their iniquities. They loathed all food and came near the gates of death. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. He saved them from their distress. He sent his word and healed them. He rescued them from their traps. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his faithful love and his wondrous works for all humanity. Let them offer thanksgiving sacrifices and announce his works with shouts of joy. The writer follows the same pattern in the first two pictures, that those yet those yet to wholeheartedly trust in, in the Lord find themselves in a helpless situation because of their sin. In this case, because of their rebellion, they're suffering physical affliction, sickness. Some are even near death as a result, and some of this may be you or a loved one. And day in and day out, they keep running back to a substance or a habit. It's slowly or rapidly killing them. And yet, there's hope, singular hope, not found in looking within to muster up self-will, but actually found in looking up, looking up in humble surrender to the Lord who is faithful. As verse 19 says, crying out to the Lord in their trouble. And what does the Lord do? Well, he sends his word, it says. He saves them by his own wounds. According to Isaiah 53, he heals them. He bandages them up and rescues them from the traps that they, they stepped into, thinking that trap was going to lead to life, but in fact, it only led to death or difficulty. In their folly, they'd stepped in, and yet the eternal near God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love for them, stepped into their life, according to Ephesians 2, makes them alive in him. Even though they were dead in sin, he saves them by grace and through faith alone. And so what do the redeemed do as a result? The psalmist says they give thanks to the Lord and they announce his wondrous works with shouts of joy because our God has been performing this transforming wondrous works for all who cry out to him since the beginning. And until he returns, he'll still be doing that work. If you're here and you're watching online maybe and you're thinking, well, I'm in this trap too deep. You have no idea the kind of trap I've stepped into. I, I, I'm too far into trouble. I mean, it's been years of indifference to the Lord who created me. Listen, you're not exempt. You're not exempt from being a recipient of the Lord's unfailing love and mercy. You haven't run too far. You haven't done too much. Nor have you not done enough. Loved ones, His grace is enough for you. Your part is to humbly cry out to him in prayer. That's the first step. The first step is not to wash your hands and try to clean yourself up. The first step is for you to cry out to him. Don't delay. Listen to the spirit of God who is alive at work and at work in you and respond. Don't let doubt or questions or pride keep you from calling out to the Lord. Loved ones, the love of Jesus in the gospel not only leads us home, frees us from chains, it also makes us whole, healed, alive. And then as we follow Jesus the rest of our lives, his love is continually forming us into his image so that we might walk as he walked, so that we might reflect him to those yet to respond to his love. The idolatry of this world, the idolatry that our flesh is prone to is seeking to deform you, 
to dehumanize you. The light of the world, Jesus Christ, came seeking and saving that which is lost so that he might reform us into his image, into new creation, so that we might return to him who made us, worshipers of the one true triune God, Father, Son, Spirit, the God of love, that we might return to who we've been designed and called to be. Verses 23 through 32, the last of the four pictures of redemption. Others went to sea in ships, conducting trade on the vast water. They saw the Lord's works, His wondrous works in the deep. He spoke and raised a stormy wind that stirred up the waves of the sea. Rising up to the sky, sinking down to the depths, their courage melted away in anguish. They reeled and staggered like a drunkard, and all their skill was useless. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and He brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper, and the waves of of the sea were hushed. They rejoiced when the waves grew quiet. Then he guided them to the harbor they longed for. Let let them give thanks to the Lord for his faithful love and his wondrous works for all humanity. Let them exalt him in the assembly of the people and praise him in the council of the elders. In this redemption picture, the Lord used a physical storm to draw people to himself, to remind them that they were not all-powerful and all-knowing like they thought. They were not God. And their own power or skill would not be enough to navigate or overcome the storms. And like the other three pictures in the psalm, after having come to the end of themselves, they cried out their self-willed courage, their chest beating, I don't need God in my life, all that self-reliance melted away. Melted away in fear. And they cried out. And again, what's the Lord do? He rescues He stills the storm with his word. He not only saves them, he leads them. He guides them into safety, into security, into the harbor they longed for. The Lord Jesus is over creation. We see that in this psalm. We see see that in the gospels. We see it all over scripture. The Lord speaks and his creation responds. Well, brothers and sisters, we are his created people. So we are to do the same. As the Lord speaks to us through his word and the spirit, we are to respond, obey, follow, Trust in his word that is for us, for our good, and for the good of those around us and for his glory. Loved ones, what has the Lord been asking of you? Maybe recently, maybe for years, or somewhere in between. And you're hesitating, you are resisting. Maybe that's the Lord. (laughs) I just feel like i got to acknowledge it. So. 1 John reminds us his commands are not burdensome. So when we hesitate, we've got to be reminded that his commands are not burdensome. Hesitate no longer. Delay no longer. Take a step of faith for the God who controls the storms and seas is a God who can be trusted in both the large and the small. Our God is a God who leads his people into harbors of peace and rest. A God whose love is so great that We are forever secure in him, held in his hand, that even our spiritual enemy, who thinks he's one, can't snatch us out. Friends, are you anxious? Is something keeping you up at night? Are you losing sleep over something? Call out to the one who calms the storm. In these four redemption pictures, we are shown that the faithful, enduring love of the Lord finds us and leads us home, breaks the chains of sin, and frees us. 
makes us alive and whole again, forming us into His image from one degree to another, brings us security and peace, leading us to eternal safety despite earthly suffering. In verses 33 through, 30, uh, 33 through 42, we are reminded that our God is a God who transforms. Nothing and no one in all creation is greater than He is. As we saw in the redemption picture of the storm, the Lord is over all creation. He's a God of justice. So as a result, the days of injustice in this world are numbered. One day, as verse 42 tells us, the mouth of injustice will be shut. How sweet will that day be? And so because our God is just, sin must be dealt with, paid for, covered. Wrongs must be made right. And we are all born sinners, doers of wrong. But the good news of Jesus is that the Lord has made a way. He is both the just and the justifier. He is the one who, because of love alone, laid down his perfect life, bearing the penalty of sin in full, our sin, dying in our place, substituting himself when it should have been us upon that cross. And now, to all those who repent of sin, turn away from living for sin and self, turn away in faith and toward Jesus Christ, placing their trust in him, all will be found. All will find salvation from judgment and new life in Him. Verses 33 through 42 describe these great reversals. For those who reject the goodness and love of the Lord in this life, who continue in their sin, their wickedness, their injustice, their wandering, while their earthly lives might appear at times to be one of abundance, in the end, in eternity, they will be left thirsty and separated from the goodness and grace of their Creator. They will reap what they have sown in this life. And they sowed seeds of rejection to the Lord in this life, so in the life to come, the Lord will reject them. It's what they wanted. And yet, for those who trust in Jesus, another great reversal occurs, where once the followers of Jesus, our lives could be described as a desert or dry land because of sin. Now in Christ, there is abundant, fruitful harvest. There is rejoicing. There is satisfaction. There is every spiritual blessing, even in difficult circumstances. Once lost, now found in home. Once imprisoned, now freed and forgiven. Once dead, now alive and whole, healed. Once going under in the storms of sin, now lifted up and secure on the rock of Christ. Verse 43, let whoever is wise pay attention to these things and consider the Lord's acts of faithful love. The scriptures are a storyline from Genesis to Revelation of the Lord's acts of faithful love. And our own lives are a part of the story the Lord is writing. And we join in alongside those in the scriptures as the redeemed people of the Lord, proclaiming of his, of his redemption alongside our gathered brothers and sisters. We also join in in the storyline of the scriptures as we continue in the disciple-making mission of Jesus that only exists this side of heaven a mission that will cease at his second coming, a mission that every follower of Jesus and every local church is commanded in and, better yet, empowered in. For centuries, this is what the Lord has been doing through his faith-walking people and what he will continue to do in the years ahead, including here in this area of the world amidst the corn, wheat, beans, and small towns. And there are some false narratives in small towns that hinder you and me in both our understanding of the gospel and our mission to proclaim it to others. The first one is this. 
Well, in a small town, in small town life, people don't change. I mean, you'll always be who you've always been. You'll always be so-and-so's kid, right? You'll always be so-and-so's grandkid. Oh, that's your last name? Oh, well, do you understand the U-Haul of baggage on that last name? The addiction, the pride, the self-righteousness, the mental illness, the depression, the lust, the greed, the dead religion, materialism, fill in the blank. The gospel of Jesus Christ tells us change is possible in all areas of the world. That generational sin doesn't have to continue. That brokenness and dysfunction in previous generations doesn't have to be our story. As Psalm 107 says, He is a God who turns a desert into a pool, dry land into springs, and He's still doing that work. So we must reject the false narrative that the gospel is un unable to bring about change in our lives, including our own. We're examples of that change. And no, it's not perfect, but we're making progress in the Lord. What He's begun in us, He's, he's faithful to finish. We must also reject the false idea in small towns that people are not in desperate need of the gospel, as if there's no lostness, wandering around, darkness, enslavement to sin, gloom, brokenness, or evil. Or we assume that because people are outwardly moral, they're good citizens, they work hard, they politely wave to a four-way stop. No, 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 you, you go. No, no, you go. No, uh, uh, uh. That. They give you the one finger, two finger, or this kind of wave. We're all in a different category of how we wave. We assume that people are not in desperate need of trusting in Jesus because people are nice. Listen, good people who die apart from faith in, in Christ, who for their whole of their lives have said, I don't need a Savior. I can be my own Savior through my own good works and efforts. Have you seen my way of life, how much better it is than so-and-so's? Those are the people who approach Jesus, who he speaks of in Matthew 7, saying, Jesus, we did all these things. We did all these things. And he says, depart from me. I never knew you. There was no personal saving relationship, trust, transfer in Christ. It was just a religion of dead, worthless, good works. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Our good works are not the way, the truth, and the life. They are a result of trusting in Jesus and following him. That was part of my story, a good person trying to do good things at the same time because of those good things, trying to hide the sin, darkness, brokenness, dysfunction behind my back. And you see this? This is awesome. Pay no attention to this over here. And it's all over, small town. It's all over. It's all over among your middle school, high school life. It's all over among our households. I was in desperate need of a Savior. And I had friends in high school love me enough to share the gospel. One of them is that woman there. Boldly share the gospel. Take a step of faith. And as a result, I called out to him and he was faithful to rescue. Psalm 107 was my story, just like it was yours. Or we assume that, well, everybody in the small town knows about Jesus. I mean, come on, it's the Midwest. We have 15 church buildings in this town alone. Two things. A church building doesn't automatically equate to an understood gospel of God's grace. It's a sad reality, but it's a reality that we must know. D.A. Carson also said this, to assume the gospel in one generation is to lose it in the next. 
to assume the gospel in one generation is to lose it in the next. Parents, take that to heart. So we must not assume the gospel. Rather, we are to proclaim to our own hearts, to those around us on the daily that we need the Lord. We proclaim it. 20 years, the Lord has been faithful to, to His church and we give thanks. Faithful in countless ways. Faithful in both ways, seen and unseen. One clear, visible evidence of His grace is you all. The ongoing stories of life change in Jesus. Let's do this to be reminded of his faithful work through the years. We did something similar at years 10 or 15. If you were here at 10 or 15, you probably don't remember. And if you do, we're still doing it again. As I work through the timeline of the Lord's church, I'd love for you to stand. If the Lord moved you away at some point and you're here to celebrate with us, welcome home again. And I'd love for you to stand as we work through this. So, again, not to us, but to the Lord's name. But what I want us to see is, is the progression of the Lord's work through relationships. Gospel work through arm in arm, lip, words to one another, showing and telling of one another as we go. So if you said yes to the vision of Crosspoint before Sunday mornings ever began, prior to 2003, would you please stand? We'll save our clapping at the end. We'll treat this like a graduation, okay? <laughs> Thank you for your faith. Hope and love. Yes, please stand. Please stand. If you, and if you didn't, if you, as a child, you said yes to this before you, you had no choice in the matter because you were a child. <laughs> yes. Praise Jesus for children. We counted all the heads early on, man. We still do. Thank you for your faith, hope, and love. You can have a seat. If you said, okay, I guess we're not going to save the clapping. Uh, <laughs> just trying to manage here. Um, if you said yes to, uh, yes to walking in a glass door um, in a broken down storefront from 2003 to 2006, if you took a step of faith there, would you please stand? Awesome. Thank you for your faith, hope, and love. You can have a seat. And your best decision was marrying your husband, not saying yes to community group. Uh, if you said yes to showing up to a middle school to set it up, tear down, maybe you even worked there, and you said, okay, seven days a week, here we go, I'll be there. Um, from 2006 to 2012, if you said yes and walked in by faith, including children, would you please stand? Praise God. Thank you for setting up, tearing down. Thank you for walking by faith in that sweet season. The Lord did a lot of beautiful things during those six years. So thank you for saying yes and for your faith, hope, and love. You can have a seat. Now this location, we're going to break into two different sections of time. So you've got to begin to think here a little bit as far as when you came. So if you, said, uh, if you began to call Crosspoint home from 2012 to 2018, I know it feels like a long time ago, 2012 to 2018, begin to say, praise God. It's beautiful. Thank you for your faith, hope, and love. I see servant leaders that I see a pastor on staff now. It's beautiful. You can have a seat. Now, if you said yes to Crosspoint, yes if you walked in our doors um, and began to call this church home from 2019, so church is being sent out. Two of our paid pastors go out. A lot of staff transition. 
We're walking by faith. The kingdom is, is expanding. 2019, and then we walk through some other things uh, in, future, in years after that. And then, uh, and then we find ourselves here in 2023. If, you, if that's you, would you please stand? Beautiful. Thank you for standing. Thank you for your faith, hope, and love. You can have a seat. The Lord's, not, Lord's work is not slowing down at all. There's some mustard seed faith early on, and the Lord is causing the growth. I was thinking about this the other day, that um, our entire paid staff has short of Becky, Jerry, and I, the Krusties, I guess, are all new, are all new from 2019. The Lord is faithful to both send out and the Lord is faithful to answer prayer. It is a sweet, sweet season we are in. Last question for the stand-up, sit-down portion. Uh, if you were baptized at Crosspoint or through Crosspoint's ministry, maybe a backyard, uh, maybe on a mission trip, I know names, I will not call out names, but if you were baptized at Crosspoint, uh, through this ministry, would you please stand? That's beautiful. Thank you. You can have a seat. <clears throat> now, with that picture in mind, I want us to also consider with prayerful, expectant, hopeful gospel vision of those yet to stand in our midst, those yet to respond to the gospel but one day will, those who will one day declare the good news through baptism or stand and sing and worship alongside you, or open their Bibles to hear the living and active Word of God, or begin to find a family to call home, a body to serve with, missionaries to link arms with. And don't just envision this, this locally at Crosspoint, but also think outwardly, the broader kingdom, the big C church, the lives of those who have yet to experience gospel trans transformation through existing and future church plants, both locally and globally. Redeemer, who's next? Who are you on mission to in your context? I mean, I pray that one thing you walk away with from this experience is being spurred on. Spurred on in prayer and spurred on to walk by faith on mission. For those of you going to Partridge Point, church plant in Metamora, who's the Lord called you to reach in that context? Or think of globally, Kuyu people in, the Pap in Papua New Guinea who will one day hear and read the scriptures in their own language, turn from false worship and turn toward true worship of the triune, eternal God. Crosspoint, we exist to bring glory to God by making disciples of Jesus who live devoted to Jesus, dedicated to one another, and driven to reach people, and we fulfill that mission together, alongside. Verse 31, let them give thanks to the Lord for his faithful love and his wondrous works for all humanity. Let them exalt him in the assembly of the people. This is what we're going to do now. This last week, I encourage you to think of, uh, of your own stories and the Lord's acts of faithful love in your life. Would you mind starting to set up boards? Um, make sure that there's shiny parts in the front. To consider what you've been redeemed from and what you're enjoying of the Lord as a result what you're being set free from, what you have been set free from, what might describe your old creation life and what you're turning toward, enjoying, growing in of the Lord. Yep, that's all. <laughs> so we have two boards or five boards up here. 
um, the two on the, on the sides. There's a once and now, if you can see that, and then a once and now working left to right. Two board, the, the once to capture what we've been redeemed from, the now to capture what we are been redeemed to or what we're enjoying of the Lord now. Okay? Psalm 107 gives us some examples. Lost, now found. Darkness, now freed. Condemned, now forgiven. Dead, now alive. Unsafe, secure. As I shared with you last week, here are some of mine. I've been redeemed from self-righteousness, clothed in His righteousness now. I've been set free from generational sin. Now the Lord is doing a new work in my family tree. Redeemed from works-based gospel, now enjoying the gospel of God's grace. Redeemed from trying to find my satisfaction in sin and now finding my satisfaction and my, my hunger and thirst being satisfied in, in the Lord. Set free from thinking I'm loved for what I do. Instead, being reminded now that I'm loved for what Jesus has already done. It's finished is what he said. Redeemed from a fear of people, now seek to live in awe of the Lord. This middle board is on mission two. I put it in the middle to remind us this is not like some side issue. This is the mission. Who's next? Who are we on mission to? And so as you come up, write their initial, write their first name. I do not want their whole name. I do not want their social security number or their address. We want to honor their future repentance because it's going to happen. And we're going to pray that it's going to happen. Let the redeemed proclaim. We do this as an act of worship. So we've got um, expo markers up here. We do this as an act of worship to come up and, and write and proclaim through written, written word what the Lord has set us free from, what he's doing. Not a paragraph, okay? Big crowd, small boards, but just capturing it in one or two words. And then who are we on mission to? Who's your one? Who are we praying for? Who are we on mission to? Make sense? So we'll have a song playing as we do this. If you're on the stream, this song might be muted, so stay with us. But let the redeemed of the, of the Lord proclaim. Grab a marker. Let's write. Let's give God glory. Let's return to our seats, and then we'll move back into worship. So one reality I want to remind you of is gospel realities, that in Christ there is now no condemnation or uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17, that in Christ we are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. There are a couple realities that I don't have tucked away in my heart yet. 2 Corinthians 5.21, He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Or 1 John 1.7, If we walk in the light as He Himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. New people. New identity leads to new activity. New life in Him. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His faithful love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord proclaim that He has redeemed them from the power of the foe and has gathered them from the lands, from the east and the west, and from the north and the south. Lord Jesus, You are altogether good. We praise You for Your faithful, enduring love. We praise You for redeeming us. And bringing us by grace alone out of darkness into your marvelous light. We are now your people. For as long as we have breath, we will proclaim your praises. You have gathered us together for a purpose and a mission. And we collectively say yes to it. 
We praise you that you are still at work in us, transforming us into your image. And you're at work through us as we live as missionaries and witnesses. May we be anchored to your word, centered on the gospel, and dependent on your spirit as we walk by faith. For you are more than able to do it. May you get every ounce of glory as a result. Thank you for written testimony of your goodness, for the evidence that it is of how good you've been to us. Thank you for an opportunity we have to worship and sing as your gathered people. We pray this in your name. Amen. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, starting in verse 11. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And may the Lord cause you to increase and overflow with love for one another and for everyone, just as we do for you. May he make your hearts blameless and holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Amen.